0: It is a Ben Fred Friday. Martin Kilcoy with Ben Fredrickson from the Post-Dispatch. A uh, Ben Fred Friday here on Scoops. And there's a lot of things to talk about. There's never a shortage of that. Let me just throw this at you. I think Nolan Arenado's stock is going to go up among fans based on what's happened in the baseball offseason, like the money that's crazy. And, and I'll be one of the ones to admit early on when they said, oh, he could opt out. I was saying, oh, he's not going to get more money. But who's going to give him more than that? And now looking at it, I'm thinking, wow, he probably could have cashed in for a bigger check. But kudos to him to say, hey, I like it here, $150 million, That's enough. You know, we always want athletes to say, that's enough. I don't need that last dollar. Do you, do you see that, too? There may be, I don't know if enough fans are aware of it, I guess. But I feel like the fact that he didn't chase every dollar in an offseason where he maybe could have really hit it big, bigger, that he's already hit it, do you think that
1: enhances his stock? With the fans, it certainly should. And I I knew that Nolan Arenado knew that he was going to leave some potential money on the table by declining this opt-out, right? He knew that. Now, the question could be asked, and maybe it will be asked that winter warm-up, Nolan, did you know how much you might have been leaving on the table where we're seeing 13-year deals and, record contracts that are rolling out now, um, you know, left and right. and I don't think he would change his mind. I, I do think he, ultimately he's really happy here. He likes his chance of competing every year here. This is his first time being on a division-winning team. But doesn't it also give Nolan more leverage to tell the Cardinals, hey, you know, you guys knew I left some money on the table by declining that opt-out and suggesting you steer that money back toward the team. But remember – you know based off of this offseason that was maybe even more money than we initially thought so maybe could we see you guys invest that so we can try to go win a have a better chance of winning a world series so i think it gives nolan a more cachet with the fans for sure but i think it also should give him a little more sway with the cardinals and i wrote about this martin you look at nolan's decision not only once but twice opting declining the opt out you look at what contreras said about seeing that decision by Nolan and how it made him want to be here. You look at Goldschmidt taking the early extension offer, um, wanting to be here, having an MVP season here. There was a time when we kind of wondered, hey, are the Cardinals losing their uh, appeal? And I think their appeal is very much back. If they're in the ballpark on free agents or you know guys who have no trade clauses that they're trying to get to come here, then they're a desirable team. And that should make them excited about the uh, the ability to go out and been some for some of these guys everybody's prices are going up the Cardinals made a whole lot of money last year they they can they can play in this market and they've got their desirability back yeah it's, it's a
0: great point I'm glad you wrote about it and it was it was sort of fun to see an established major league player like a Contreras who was downright giddy about <laughs> where he ended up and not just for the check and maybe there was more out there for him but he really made it incredibly clear. It's where he wanted to be, and I would love to go back and have a recording of that mazzaloc Arenado visit in California, what exactly was said and what was promised, because so far, I love the Contreras signing. You had to do it. Maybe Murphy would have been a bigger home run, but the Contreras move, something you had to do, but they haven't changed a whole lot from who they were last year, right? I mean, they're the same team that's good enough to win the division. I would hope that they're the favorites to win the division, but typically, that's where they've fallen short. They can win the division, but not much else. I'm kind of surprised that that's it. You know what I mean in terms of – I mean, I know we heard they were in on Rodon, but I don't know if that's real, and it doesn't – it seems like they're always in on people. We hear right. that a lot. I don't right. even know if they leak that just so it sounds good. But <laughs> I, I don't think – they haven't really changed a lot. If anything, you had to replace Albert's second half yeah. bat, which was massive.
1: Totally. And asking Contreras – as the potential five-hole hitter to be the guy Albert was in the second half, that's asking a, a whole heck of a lot. Not just for Contreras, for any hitter ever. But that's how good Albert was when he got his swing right and and came out of the All-Star break like a like a man on a mission again. Um, so I'm with you that they filled the need of catcher. They will have a, a boost for the lineup of getting more offensive production there, but they lost offensive production in Albert. Their hope is that everybody you know naturally. Gets better, but asking Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt to finish top three in the MVP voting again is probably asking quite a bit. And hey, let's not forget the fact that this rotation lost the guy who started the game one of the playoffs. I mean, it kind of happened quietly, Martin, because it happened on the same day that the Cardinals got you know to the engage point on Contreras' contract. But Jose Quintana, who we heard the Cardinals want him back, he wants to be back. He wants to play with. Contreras, boom, all of a sudden gone to the Mets on what for the Mets is a just a pennies on the dollar deal, a two-year pretty manageable deal. And the Cardinals, if they let Quintana walk, to me, that should suggest that they're going to do something for the rotation that's bigger and better. And that was the vibe that I thought they had leaving winter meetings, was that they needed to do something, not just to get depth. They've got so much depth in their pitching. They need some top-end performance some proven pitching and maybe that's not Carlos Rodon maybe Scott Boris is going to leverage um, the market to get him a bonkers length of contract and salary we're still talking about a guy who's never pitched 200 innings in a season in his career so there are some fair concerns about can Rodon stay healthy if he does he's a wicked strikeout guy this team could really use there are other ways to go about getting starting pitching trades Pablo Lopez and Miami looks really appealing um, the Cardinals have have been kind of sort of connected to him in the past. So they have trade chips they could go to improve the rotation. But to me, that's the need now. If you get Contreras and a starter who could be top two-ish, I, I think you have improved this team. If you just get Contreras and then kind of make some small bets on depth guys, kind of a spring training nears, I, I think it's fair to say this team could win the division and then very much meet the same end that it had last postseason where it was get in and, and get out in a hurry.
0: Yeah, and totally unfair at this point to even bring it up. But let's just imagine it's October next year. It's game one of whether it's a wild card or an NLDS. Who's that starter? You know, maybe Wainwright had a great year. Maybe Flaherty had a great year. Is it Montgomery? Is it Mats? Is it Michaelis? I don't know. None of those at this moment sound like game one starters in a postseason, and especially if you were to let's you you're, okay, you win the first round. Now you're in the NLCS. Who's starting there? And unfair. Maybe Flaherty has a Cy Young type season. I don't know, but just knowing what we do know, it, it does feel like there's still a little bit light in the rotation, especially on the top end. There is depth as you talk about. There's always a, another another arm you can put into the mix, whether it's Hudson or maybe it's Woodford. They've got some names, but in terms of star power or high end starters. I they I do think they're short. Hopefully they do realize that. I know I don't know. I, I will give them credit for being up front. And you were there. We were talking to John Mazzalek off to the side after the Contreras press conference. And he said, listen, we have a process. I know it's not very popular. They just keep telling us who they are. And we keep getting angry and saying, oh, spend some money. Go. And they're like, we have a process we follow. And, and I think Mo wants to jump up on a tail and said, people, it's just not what we do. And I guess at some point, not so much as media, because the job is to critique, but as fans, I wonder if you say, okay, i got to I got to stop banging my head against the wall. This is who they are. Either I like what they do or I don't. You know, and yeah. you like the Cowboys, you know what Jerry Jones is all about. If you if you can't stand it, then maybe you better get a different team.
1: Yeah, I think that to me that's the goal, and it will be the goal that uh, probably gets continued to be ignored, but it's to not to – the Cardinals do this really good job of like, hey – if you don't like our model, then you must hate it. And it's like, no. Sometimes the model is good. It just needs to be tweaked or perhaps sharpened a little bit. And and I, I think it's fair, totally fair, to expect and, and and challenge the Cardinals to to make those adjustments, especially they as they get further away from from their last championship. I mean, they can continue to be a pipeline-driven team that wants to draft and develop guys, and still find it within their coffers to go out and pay for a a pitcher because their pipeline hasn't produced one that they can count on. And that's, that's really what their model is, Martin. It's try to produce from within, supplement from the outside when you have to. And I think they have gotten better about when they do supplement from the outside, getting guys that are not immediately going to be overshadowed by pipeline guys. I mean, we saw with Dexter Fowler, by the day Dexter showed up, unfortunately for him, there were some prospects who were, breathing down his neck a little bit in terms of could they play the position better? No one is sitting there going, Oh my God, Nolan Gorman would be playing third base so much better than Nolan Arenado." No one is saying, Oh man, they really should have Jordan Walker at first base instead of Paul Goldschmidt. I feel the same way about Contreras. Maybe not everyone agrees as much with them, but I think he's going to be a good fit. They need to go get that guy in terms of a starting pitcher now, and they need to do it because they, because of Jack's injury history um, and he could be great this year, but you can't count on that. Um, they need to do it because they prioritized Jack over Sandy Alcantara, which at the time we all thought was fine and good. And they, that guy's turned into a stud. They don't have him. Um, they've had injuries to, to certain guys that are coming back. You know, you just don't know what Dakota Hudson's going to be. Um, the two guys, I'll put it this way, the two guys on this team in this rotation right now who had fully healthy, I would say strong seasons last year, were Miles Michaelis and Jordan Montgomery. Adam Wainwright's mechanics fell off late. Other guys were either injured or coming back from injuries. So those are two guys, neither of which were good enough at the time to start the Cardinals' first postseason game, and that guy's now gone. You look at what the Cardinals faced from the Phillies. You look at what the Mets have. um, They need some high-end help in their rotation. Not later. They need it now. And maybe they try to go with what they have and try to add that guy at the trade deadline when – Teams are deciding if they're in or out or giving off rentals. But they to have that guy come spring training would, would make them a much more dangerous team than kind of the, the question mark collection they've got in their rotation right now.
0: Mizzou football a week away from their bowl game. taking it on Wake Forest. Um, a move that – it's not a big move. I guess it's interesting. Maybe it's peculiar. But Bush Hamden, who was the quarterback's coach at Mizzou, takes the offensive coordinator job at Boise State. And Boise State, okay, it's not a power five, but it's a a big-time program. He played there. A lot of reasons he would want to go there. But I don't know if you're like me. I thought he was in line to be the next O.C. at Mizzou. And if you're going to be an offensive coordinator in college football, even with your ties to Boise, I would think the Mizzou O.C. job is preferable to the Boise State job. So what do you think this move tells us?
1: Well, I guess to me it immediately suggests that Bush – didn't feel like he was going to get that job of being Mizzou's permanent play caller. And I I can see where if he found out, Hey, you're not going to be the play caller, the offensive coordinator for Mizzou next year. And even though you did that job and did it well, the offense improved in those three games where he was calling the shots. Maybe it's a matter of, well, if you, if you want me to do it in the heat of the battle, but you don't want to give it to me for the full season, maybe it's time for me to look elsewhere. Um, He did play at Boise. He was a quarterback there. It's really rare to see a guy leave the SEC to take a very similar role in a in a group of five school. Even more rare to see a guy do it and take like more than a hundred thousand dollar pay cut. So it makes me wonder if he was miffed that he wasn't going to be that next guy, which opens the question: Who is? Is, is Eli going to come and say, "Look, I can call the plays. I handed it over to Bush last year, but I'm taking it back over," or is he going to say, "Look, when I got this extension and this and this raise, which." Was rushed, of course. We, I think we, you and I both agree on that. He did get more money for his assistant pool, and he could use that to go target a, you know, a more a more proven or a more you know a more I guess sexier play caller, offensive coordinator type that he feels like can take his offense to a level that we haven't seen yet. But an interesting, interesting kind of question that you know the Hamden news people go, okay, the guy left. People maybe didn't know who he was, but he was also the quarterbacks coach. And he was pretty tight with Brady Cook. So if you're poor Brady Cook, who has you know pledged to Mizzou under Barry Odom, you stayed around for the coaching change. You, everybody questions your job security every single week, and you, you stuck it out. You actually got better as the season went along as Hamden was calling plays, and all of a sudden he's gone. It makes you wonder how that could be affected. One of the quarterbacks that he had committed from the, from the upcoming classes was a four star out of the Washington area, and it makes you wonder if that holds. It also to me, Martin makes me wonder if Eli knowing how Eli is always kind of looking and, and and checking checking the the way the wind's blowing in the transfer portal, it just makes me wonder this is just me speculating if he's maybe looking at a, a offensive coordinator who could perhaps could bring in a quarterback too. We see that sometimes that package type deal and it makes me wonder if he's hunting a play calling offensive coordinator who maybe has the ends on a transfer QB.
0: Well, the stock you need to buy is whoever the former Mizzou defensive coordinator is. We saw with Ryan Walters leaves Mizzou, goes to Illinois. He's considered one of the greatest assistant coaches in the country. Now he's the head coach at Purdue. Steve Wilkes, who things flamed out for him after one year in Columbia, is the interim coach of the NFL Carolina Panthers, might get that job. So I guess Blake Baker's staying put. But if he leaves, good things are going to happen to him, it seems like.
1: No kidding. I mean, put a futures bet on – on blake baker but how about ryan walters man he i I thought it was a disappointing thing for walters when uh, colorado hired deon sanders and they go coach prime route totally understand why i mean you take a big swing there why not but walters had been a good fit potentially for that job in colorado so i kind of go okay well he's probably going to stay at illinois for another year and then it was like boom no he's going to go compete against illinois he's really been kind of uh, captured this momentum as an up-and-coming coach and seems like a, a great guy. I mean, in the times I've interacted with him at Mizzou, but it's a it, that's a that's a big jump for him not too long after he was more or less kind of mutually let go by Eli Drinkwitz. And the vibe at the time was like, hey, you know, you should probably go look for another gig type of thing, and he did, and I think he learned a lot from working with Bielema, but what a trajectory he's on. Wilkes, Martin, you remember how bad it was for Steve Wilkes? It was like week four of last year. They They had this like cartoon defense against Tennessee, it just got epically destroyed. He was like halfway through the season talking publicly about not knowing if he should coach from the sideline or up in the coaching box. I mean, it was a mess. Yeah. And now here he is, like you know, they're they're rallying in Carolina to get him to be the the head job. It, it it's when when Steve Wilkes was hired at SEC Media Days, one of the, the longtime broadcasters down there said, "Hey, just be careful." You know, it's not always as easy as people think to go from the NFL to college. Everybody thinks it's a step down. It's not. It's a totally different game. Some guys just aren't made for it. And I guess Wilkes found that out and good credit to him. He got back and now he could be in line for another head coaching job by getting back to the NFL where he's clearly a better fit than he was in college.
0: All right, college basketball, and I'll run through this quickly, but I would say, and you tell me where you disagree, Illinois, they're a tournament team. They're going to be a little up and down because they've got a lot of youth on that team, but that's a yep. that's a tournament team. SLU is an NIT team until proven otherwise. Very disappointing. And again, it's way early to say that, but that's the trajectory that they'd be on right now. Looks like you're going to have to win the Atlantic 10, not just the league, but probably going to have to win the conference tournament just to guarantee you get in. Right now, it doesn't look like a two-bid league. And then Mizzou, probably not quite an NIT team despite the 9-0 and start. Kansas sort of exposed them there. I like Gates. I like where they're headed. But I would say right now I've got Illinois in, SLU in the NIT, and then Mizzou probably not quite an NIT team. And, again, things can change, but that seems to be where things are headed.
1: I'm with you all the way. Illinois ceiling sky high, and but they're going to have nights as kind of a young team where they go beat Texas and turn around and get skunked by Penn State at home. Their talent level is 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 way high. They got to put it all together with these new pieces, but I, I think they're the most talented of the three teams. Slew I'm most disappointed in because this is Travis's best team. He knew it. He said it. If this team can't make the NCAA tournament, I, I do think if you're At SLU, you have to say, hey, what is the ceiling here, and have we hit it? Because this is the most talented team, and for it to be getting worse as the season goes along is disappointing. This team beat Memphis in Game 3. You look up now, Martin, Memphis is beating Auburn, a team that SLU couldn't finish off. They're taking Alabama to the wire on the road. Why is Memphis getting better while SLU is is regressing? Disappointed there. You don't want to make a judgment in the middle of the season, but frustration in Midtown, and it's deserved. Mizzou, It's a a byproduct of having the easiest schedule in the country before you play one of the best teams in the nation. And They they rolled into the Kansas game feeling pretty good. They've done a good job of building excitement for that game, but they're not on that level. Their defense is going to have to get just better. Um, Good teams will backdoor them to death and take advantage of their aggressiveness. I do think they can learn from this. I think they'll be better against Illinois in the bragging rights game, but I tell you what, Martin, I'd sure like to see Isaiah Mosley start to play some. Um, I know it's the Mystery, biggest mystery in Missouri, what's going on there. But if they're going to be a, a team that has a chance of getting, you know, I think for Mizzou, if you can, if you can make the NIT, that's a great season for the Dennis Gates in year one. If you can create some bubble stir, that would be really good. But I don't think they're going to be able to do that against better teams. just mostly sitting on the bench all the time.
0: All right. Last thought: Are you one of those media guys? Are you anti-country roads at blues games? I feel like you are. And and I bring this.
1: Okay, I, bring, I hate it.
0: Okay, so this is your chance to buy humbug. I'm at the game, and I rarely go to games. But on Sunday, I'm sitting there with my wife and kids, and they start playing country roads, and I kind of forget about it. And they they're kind of singing along. And my wife goes, "Oh, this is kind of fun. Why do they do this?" And I said, "Okay." It's a great debate in the media, like, is it stupid? We're not from, and especially that day, they were playing Colorado, so it seemed even weirder singing a John Denver, you know, Country Roads, whatever, take me home. I felt like we were in Colorado, not West Virginia, but um, they were, like, getting a kick out of it, and then I thought, well, you know what? Maybe if kids and families think it's fun, who Who cares?
1: I, that's how I should feel, and that's the sane way to feel you're a healthier person, I think mentally than i am i it just I don't know why it makes my blood boil. I think because it's like it's it's already a thing in West Virginia with their sports, so I just feel like it's it's not it's 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 just stolen it's poached it's not original um and then the other thing the song is actually i think this is correct someone tweet me if i'm if I'm making it up here um I think the song is actually about western Virginia, not about west virginia so there's some debate about what the song is even (laughs) about which that frustrates the heck out of me i just think that with st louis with however many greats do an ellie song do something that has some sort of regional tie it's just it's totally it's totally unoriginal to this region and we have good songs we've got great talented musicians from this area who've made songs we could all sing and we all know the words to why not pick one of those
0: (laughs) so not only is it not only the Blues need to get rid of it, West Virginia needs to Everybody get rid of it. Needs to get rid of it. See, Virginia yeah, it Cavaliers. Be
1: it, should be, it should be
0: canceled. The, yeah. this, is, this is like uh, Journeys, <laughs> Don't Stop believing. And I knew a guy in, in radio, a lawyer named Scott Sherman. He's from Detroit, and he said, I hate when they sing that song. I said, what do you care? He goes, born and raised in South Detroit. He said there is no South Detroit. There's water. He goes, there is. And I go, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way. Yeah.
1: It's like the directions being wrong in wagon wheel. Um, They got one of the, you know, the Cumberland gap directions are wrong. And it's like people from that area, it drives them crazy. The rest of us just sing along and, uh, and don't know the difference, but you know, you would be a better person to ask Martin, like what St. Louis song should be the new country roads and, uh, but I, I do i, I think you're, I think the proper response would have been for you to tell your family that was enjoying the song that they were actually part of the problem and to to storm out and leave them there why well, I, imme- the I immediately response.
0: I immediately put them in a cab and sent them home were They were, <laughs> they were not allowed here. to watch the painful ending. I think the origin though is fun because I believe they just had, the d j played it one night, and you probably know this too, but then the the crowd started singing it, and the players said oh that 's kind of fun that 's cool and then they just decided to keep it in. But to your point, if it's Nelly, we wouldn't even have to change the entire word, just country grammar, although we'd probably yeah. have to do some cleaning up maybe of some of the words, but
1: some self yeah. some self-editing, some selective uh some selective editing. I think it would be uh, we could do the radio uh the radio version He's a, he even has that line hockey pay, hockey players are paging him, which shows you the time reference to, to play on his wrist because his watch is so big and iced out. There's even a hockey element to it. I mean, I just think it's, it's just begging to be to be used.
0: I have a feeling Baruby, Armstrong, and them, uh, right now we got bigger things to worry about, okay? Yeah, but well, if
1: any, if people who are enjoying, finding ways to enjoy blues games right now, yeah. it, I don't want to take any of that away from them. So if they need to cope, I get it. Maybe we can change it next year.
0: All right, Ben. We'll talk to you next Friday. We'll be doing our entire bowl breakdown. I'll, I will t- tell you entirely about the front seven of Wake Forest. Okay.
1: <laughs> I want to know. I want to do the trivia game where we pick, um, where we pick bowl games based off are they real or not, and we make some up, and then determine which ones are real and which ones are fake.
0: I would have I would have guessed ReliaQuest was fake until Illinois got invited there. And what I always have to do when you see a bowl, and you say that's a real bowl. Okay, when it is real, but you've never heard the name. I'm always interested in the origin. You're like, oh, it's the old blue bonnet. Oh, it used to be the Outback, or you know, that's my favorite <laughs> yeah. part is tracing it back. And I tried to do that with um, I'm in Mizzou's Bowl. I'm forgetting even the the pirate name of what's our uh, Gasparilla Bowl. Gasparilla, and it's some pirate or whatever. I I thought, yeah. well, what is the origin? There really isn't an interesting story other than it used to be the Beefo Brady Bowl. <laughs> That's it. Oh, the,
1: the epic, yeah, the historic Beefo Brady Bowl. That's it. I, I, my personal favorite is the Bad Boy Mowers Bowl. I don't know <laughs> if that still exists or not, but the Gasparilla is a thing in Florida. Like they're, They have like a Gasparilla Days festival where they all dress up as pirates and party. It's kind of like, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of like a Mardi Gras type of thing. Yeah. I, I don't know um, I don't know how it became a bowl game exactly because I don't think and someone from Florida tell me if I'm if I'm screwed this up I don't even think it's during the festival so I'm a little confused as to it's like they ran out of names or just like well there's a there's a festival down here just slap that thing on it
0: and so the bad boy mowers named official partner of the pinstripe bowl okay oh
1: wow they're really moving up in so the that's world. the
0: old Yankee Bowl I would call yeah. that the Yankee Bowl yeah. all right Ben we'll do it again next week.
1: Okay, man, I'll talk to you soon. See ya.